Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and as you have turned to that, I want to just go ahead and just think about uh, this question or this idea of if Jesus is going to come back at any time, are we ready? Are you ready? For Jesus Christ to come back the second time. And one of the things that you will notice that in the Bible is very clear that reminds us that Jesus Christ will come back. This is a promise that he has given to us. If you look at John chapter 14 verse 2 and 3 in the NIV, listen to what it says. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and will you all read this yellow part with me? It says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So this is before he died on the cross in the upper room that he's telling his disciples, I'm gonna go ahead of you and prepare a place and then he's gonna come back, it says here. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, and once again, read it in the yellow out loud with me. It says this in that New Living Translation. It says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So we see very clearly from scripture that Jesus Christ, and there are so many other passages that talk about Jesus Christ coming back And once again, the question is, are you ready and am I ready for Jesus Christ to come back in any moment? I think most of us will probably be shocked. Uh, We will probably not be so well prepared to actually meet him as he will come back sometime in the future. And I think that's very similar to what the disciples felt when Jesus Christ died on the cross and they did not expect him to resurrect. They did not expect him to come back to life. And that's why they weren't fully ready. They were confused. Uh, Many of them very discouraged in light of Jesus, their Messiah, their their rabbi, their teacher uh, passing away. They totally forgot about all the promises and everything that he predicted about his death. What I wanted to do is, as we think about that, is to show you this video. And I have to kind of prep it because uh, it's... uh, It's a commercial, actually. It was a long commercial that was shown in Germany. And it was produced by a German supermarket chain called Edeka. And they released this holiday commercial. And it was considered very controversial. And that's why, as you watch this, some of you might get a little bit offended. Some of you might not fully understand. Some of you might think it was a a very well-made video. But um, it got people's attention. Let's just say that. And so one of the news outlets uh, caught on to that and began to explain a little bit of the controversy that began to happen through this video. So let's watch this and then we'll come right back. What'd you think? I'm wondering how you would have responded if you knew that your father or your grandfather uh, pulled a prank and realizing that this is the only way to bring the whole family together. As I was thinking about this, as I watched this, I realized that This is how so many of us will probably feel, uh, especially when Jesus Christ uh, comes back. Many, Many of us, if we're honest, we're not prepared, we're not ready, we're not even expecting him to come back the second time. 
Uh, I believe that it's, it's one of those shocking things that will totally rock your world. I think there will be a lot of things that you'll be thinking about during that time. Listen to what Billy Graham said, the famous evangelist. He once wrote, said this, The second coming of Christ will be so revolutionary that it will change every aspect of life on this planet. Christ will reign in righteousness. Disease will be arrested. Death will be modified. War will be abolished. Nature will be changed. Man will live as if as it was originally intended he should live. This is what the second coming of Jesus Christ will do. It will literally change everything. And so once again, the question for you and for me is, are we ready for his second return? So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that we must let go of our past and live each day as if it's our last. So once again, is that we have to let go of our past and then begin to live our lives in such a way as if it's our last, our last day here on this earth. There are two things I'm going to highlight for us in this passage so that we can remember of learning how to let go of the past and then begin to live each day as if it's our last. The first thing is this, that we must be ready, that we must be ready. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1 through 5 for us. And as I read it, I want you to try to follow along and try to understand what it is that uh, the apostle Paul is talking about to the people of Thessalonica. He says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. For you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Let's just pause here and look at these five verses. As we start off this chapter, we have to connect it to what Apostle Paul was talking about earlier in chapter 4. Now, I don't have time to go into all of it, but you need to understand that the second coming of Jesus was probably something that the Apostle Paul taught and talked about on his missionary journey as he stopped by in Thessalonica. Now, the believers were confused as you will probably begin to understand as the Apostle Paul addresses more of the specifics of the second coming of Christ. So that's why Paul had to address this confusion of, first of all, what would happen to those who died before Christ coming back? So that's a question. If you have loved ones who might have passed away or you know of people who passed away, so what happens to them before Jesus Christ comes back? and takes us to be with him. Another thing, as Paul tries to address here, is that there are believers who are a bit worried because why? They wanted to know when Christ would appear during the second coming so they can be better prepared. Uh, for better or for worse, they wanted to know exactly when it was that Jesus Christ would come back. So these were two of the things that the people, the believers in Thessalonica, they were probably wondering and still confused on. So let me just mention a couple things here so that we can have this perspective 
when it comes to being ready. We have to be ready for the second coming of Christ. The first thing is this, that we have to trust in God, that we have to trust in God. I want you to look at verse 1 again. We see that Paul says that things regarding the times and the seasons, that he says that he doesn't have to write to us uh, anymore because he knows and he's telling us what the day of the Lord will be like. So even though the exact timing of it is not very clear, but the end result is very clear, that he will come back and it will be the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord both entails judgment and blessings. And that's many people, they were waiting for this day, the day of the Lord, where the Father will then come and take us uh, back with him. So this day of the Lord was a very powerful theme all throughout the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. So what we see is there, uh, see is here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, 42, and 44. I'm going to look at these three verses. Listen to what it says. It says, as Jesus is teaching this, it says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. So what we see here is Jesus is saying once again, you do not know. Even He, the Son of God, He doesn't know. Only God the Father, He is the only one who knows. And if you remember right before Jesus' ascension, after He resurrected from the dead, before He went up to heaven, the disciples were wondering if God would establish His kingdom with Israel. And listen to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. And please read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, so when they had come together, they asked him, these are the disciples now, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. I hope you caught that last phrase. It says, that has been fixed by his own authority. The challenge for us is that are we going to trust God's authority in our lives? You know, when we think about God's authority, God's rule, God's lordship or kingship over our lives, uh, many of us will have to confess that we don't like it that he has this rule over us. Because every single one of us, there's a side of us in a very self-centered way. We want to be the captain of our ship. We want to be the driver. We want to be able to guide our lives and live our lives in such a way that we have full control. That's why the thought of submitting to God's authority, the thought of submitting to His lordship or His kingship, many of us have a hard time and we struggle with this because we want to be in control. So part of being ready is learning how to trust God's authority and His power. And so even though you don't know the details, you don't know exactly the time, the question is, will you trust God to guide you? And this is how we can prepare and be ready. The second thing that I want you to notice as we talk about we need to get ready is that not only do we have to trust in God for this, but we have to think properly. It's about a mindset set change that we need 
in our lives. If we don't know the exact time of when Christ will come back, then we have to make sure that we are thinking straight when it comes to this readiness or preparedness. Now, this is why the illustration of a thief coming in the night is given. Now, think about this for a moment. When we get robbed, the thief does not warn us. He doesn't text us and say, I'm coming to your house exactly at 1.30 in the morning. Because why? Because if he texts you and he tells you that he's coming at 1.30 in the morning, you'll call up all your friends and say, we're going to jump this guy and we're going to beat him up. I mean, this is just common sense. And that's the whole point that Paul is trying to say. Is that if you knew exactly when the thief was going to come, then you could prevent the robbery. But you can't. That's why a thief comes when you least expect him, when you're not even conscious of the fact that you're going to get robbed. I was thinking about this and I realized, I don't know how many of you have ever been robbed, uh, whether in your home or just, just personal things that have been lost, or traveling in the MTR or just through different transportation. But I remember when I was about eight or nine years old, so I was really young and my parents were working and so we were pretty much latchkey kids. We kind of grew up just on our own and we had to help each other as brother. And I have an older sister and a younger brother. And so I remember one time just my brother and I, we were outside, we were playing with some of our friends in the neighborhood. And this was in Chicago uh, and, and not the nicest place, but we were, we were out there playing. And I remember coming up the stairs or excuse me, up the elevator and then as we were heading towards our apartment, the door was open. And so kind of like as an eight, nine-year-old, I think to myself, like, something's going on here. And I was thinking that my sister or somebody was playing a trick on me. And so as we walked in and we called out uh, my sister's name, no one was there. And so my brother and I, we continued to proceed to move forward. And then we see that there's our whole apartment is ransacked. And just in my small eight or nine-year-old mind, I was just thinking, and just not only being frightened, I was thinking to myself, what just happened? And we didn't have cell phones back then, because you know what I'm saying? It's like way back. So I remember calling my mom at her store on a rotary phone. We had to call her up, and she just completely freaked out. And so what happened was she ended up leaving her work, coming to the apartment, and then we had to call the police. And I don't know how you, uh, if you've ever been in these kind of situations, but you feel so violated. Uh, not only are you violated in some ways in the privacy, but also it is pretty scary. And, you know, I just realized that if there was somebody pretty bad, they could have been hiding there and something could have happened to us. But um, God, by God's grace, we didn't even know who God was. But at that time, he was still watching over us and protecting us. And that's the point that Paul is trying to say that Jesus Christ is going to come back in a time that you will not know. It's going to be like a thief in the night. But that does not mean that we cannot and we should not prepare ourselves. So once again, trusting in God in His authority, that even though we don't know the timing, that we know the end result, that He will come back because He does not lie. But also we have to start changing our mindset and realizing that it can happen at any moment, so we have to prepare ourselves for this. Jesus taught the same principle to the disciples and helping them to see that they needed to be ready. Luke chapter 12, verse 39 through 40, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Understand this, 
if a homemaker or a homeowner knew exactly where a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, I'm going to read as we read it already, but I'm going to read it from the message translation. Listen to what it says. You know as well as I that the day of the master's coming cannot be posted on our calendars. Google Calendar, of course. And we won't call ahead, or he won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. Just kind of puts that in perspective. It's not in our calendars. It's not messaging that's going to come to us that he's coming. And so as we think about this, the question once again is, do you know that Jesus Christ will come back? And he will come back at a time where you least expect him? My challenge to you this morning is, what if he was to come back today sometime? Would you be ready? I think for many of us, when things are going really well, that's when we push God out and we don't see the need and understand this readiness that we need to have for the second coming of Christ. I think this is the reason why in verse 3, Apostle Paul says that some people will say there's peace and security. Listen to how the message translation translates verse 3. About the time everyone's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've sure got it made. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. A part of being ready is that we have this kind of different perspective that not only is a certainty, even though we don't know the time, but the thing is that it's going to be very painful. Now, I don't know what it feels like to be pregnant um, and Obviously, sorry, uh, I don't know why I just said that. But as you know, for many women who do get pregnant and then after that full nine months or eight months, however, and they start delivering, uh, they do this thing where they stick some medicine towards the back, the epidural, and that way it will numb some of the pain. I, I got my wife's permission to say this, but she decided as Josiah was developing in her womb, that she was going to have a natural birth. Now, I don't know about you, but my first thought was, woman, are you crazy? Because, like I said, I don't know what it feels like. I don't know. I just heard stories. I heard of women giving men headlocks and yelling at them saying and cursing them. So I'm just thinking the worst case scenario. And I'm thinking to myself, you might want to take it, but she goes, I want to take it natural. I don't want anything to kind of numb anything. I want to feel the sensation. I'm like, man, I, I married a crazy woman, you know, in my mind. And she didn't just do this for Josiah. She did it for Elliot and for Carissa. So Lord bless her. Um, and all I can say is that when I saw her go through the pain, I'm like, in my mind, I didn't say it out loud because then that's when she might have actually punched me. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you should have taken the epidural, right? That's what I was thinking. But it was very, very painful. So why is Paul saying that? Because when he comes back and when we are not ready, our whole lives are going to be turned upside down. It's going to be like labor pains, so painful. 
and something that is going to come into our lives. And so we need to start changing the way we think. Now, I believe one of the blessings in disguise, and I'm sure many of you can already attest to this, one of the blessings in disguise in light of the whole COVID-19 situation and the lockdown and all the policies of uh, social distancing, I, th I think one of the blessings that have come forth is that more people are seeking God. I think many people are asking some of those deep philosophical questions that they haven't even thought about before, especially when everything was going well. Like, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What is it that I'm pursuing after that at the end of the day, like, it doesn't amount to much? For some of us, it's that kind of mindset that will help us to think about some of the things that we're going through. When everything's all said and done, if Jesus Christ were to, when he was to come back today, that some of the things that we're worried about, some of the things that we're struggling with, uh, it won't be such a big deal knowing that he's coming back tonight. And Paul uses, as well as you look at this, this darkness and light imagery to remind the people that there are no longer darkness in us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Because darkness deals with the realm of sin and that's why when we were under darkness that is when we face the wrath of god but no longer are we in darkness but now we are in the light because of jesus christ what he has done died on the cross rose again from the dead we no longer are living in darkness and sin and ignorance but we are set free and so paul reminds us to have this kind of mindset who we are in christ don't forget that, knowing that our whole lives are going to be turned upside down. That's why we have to be ready. Do you have this kind of perspective? Do you have this kind of trust that as you prepare yourself, that if he were to come back tonight, that we will be ready? I love what Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14 says. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This is who we are. This is what we have because of the resurrection, because of Jesus Christ. So even if he were to come tonight in a second return, that we will be ready for the glory of God. How about us this morning? Are we ready for Jesus Christ to come back in any moment? Or are we living so comfortably that, and holding on to the things of this world that we will not be ready and our lives are going to be turned upside down? Are you trusting in God and thinking properly when it comes to having this right perspective and being sure of his second coming? We must be ready as we think about letting go of our past and so that we can live every single day as if it's our last. I wanted to take this time to pause a little bit and have us get into huddle groups and just talk about just a couple of these questions. I'm gonna, we're not, we don't have much time, so you're going to have to jump right into it. But as uh, the life group leaders will probably put you in different groups, those of us who are joining us from outside, uh, just take, take the time just to reflect and think about what has been shared thus far. So the two questions in your huddle group is simply this. The first one is, why is it easier to prepare for something that we know there is a high possibility or probability of happening, such as 
uh, a rain forecast, a family vacation, work presentation exams, whatever it may be. And the second question is, what are some things that might hold you back from expecting Christ's sudden return? So go ahead and break up into some huddle groups. Talk about these two questions. You'll have six minutes, and so you got to talk really quickly, and then we'll bring you back. Something is certain that it's so much easier to be able to plan and move ahead. And I feel like God, in many ways, he does it in this way so we can fully trust in him and change our mindset. So we talked about first how we have to be ready. We must be ready when we think about the second coming of Christ and living every single day as if it's our last, then we have to be ready. The second thing that I want to mention here is that we must not only be ready, but we must be resolved that we must be resolved. Let's close out with verse 6 all the way through verse 11 in this section. It says this, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, one another up just as you are doing. So we see that the Apostle Paul takes this theme of light and darkness and he continues on as he talks about this and then now uses the metaphor of sleep and about being sober to describe the people who are alert and resolved as they're getting ready for the second coming of Christ. I want to just quickly note here that the word awake, it means to be alert. Also, the word sleep means to be careless. And so here's the contrast. What he's saying is those of us who are awake we are alert. Those of us who are asleep, and it's not talking about necessarily physical death sleep here, but it's talking about just being careless. So that's why we get this idea of two groups of people. One that is contrasted with another. The first group are those people who are spiritually lazy, those who are insensitive to the Spirit of God, and those people contrasted with people who are alert, resolved, and they're living for Christ. I want you to also note here, the word sober can be translated as clear-headed, reasonable or sensible, and self-controlled. So those people who are sober and awake are those people, not only are they ready, but there's a sense of resolve that Jesus Christ is going to come back and therefore, I don't know what time he will come back, but I want to live every single day and every single hour that I have as if he will come back today or that hour. And so we're more awake. We are more sober, clear-minded in the things that we do compared to those who have forgotten that Jesus Christ can come back in any moment. Those are the people who it's, it's easy for them to be lazy and not preparing themselves for what is ahead. I think this is why Paul uses these two groups of people to describe how we ought to get resolved. Uh, he goes on and talks about drunkenness and those who are asleep. 
while the other group, as I mentioned, are awake and alert. And depending on which group we fall into, we're going to respond differently to the second coming of Christ. When we are alert, clear-headed, and self-controlled, then we're able to face the problems in our lives with greater peace, a greater trust, a greater joy, uh, we have greater perspective, and even obedience to Christ. If you know he's going to come back in any moment, and possibly tonight, then we don't want to continue to live in sin. We don't want to continue to go in a direction that is rebellious and away from the things of the heart of God. Some of you might be right at that moment where you're trying to decide, is Christianity real or not? Some of you have been going out to life groups. Some of you have been coming out uh, to church in this past some months, and now we're online. But some of you are thinking and contemplating, even this past Easter and life group this week, as we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the message of Christ, is it true? And some of us are thinking, should I make this decision of faith? And so I want to challenge us. If Christ was to come back tonight, would you be ready? Would you have your life completely secured knowing that Jesus Christ purchased through his death and his resurrection forgiveness of sins in your life? We continue on and we see here those who don't have this kind of mindset and who are drunk and asleep, what we see here is that it will be easy for people then to get fearful, frustrated, and even start taking things into our own hands and becoming very self-sufficient. Then I want you to notice verse 8. In verse 8b, the latter half of verse 8, Paul touches upon the need for facing the spiritual battle. I think this is the great thing about Paul is that he realizes that it's not just you and the things that you're facing, but there really is a spiritual warfare that is going on. And that's why when you look at verse 8b, you will notice that he talks about the reality of spiritual warfare, and that will help us, if you understand it, to be more resolved, to be able to live every single day as if it's your last. He describes it at least with two important aspects of an armor. If you look at those verses again, you will notice that he talks about the breastplate and also the helmet. The reason why he mentions this is that the breastplate is a faith and love, it says. And the reason why this is important because it covers the heart. And it's always from the heart everything flows out of. And then you will notice the helmet and it is the hope of salvation. Why do we need the helmet? Because it is our thinking. Because once our head gets hit, with the arrows from Satan, we start believing in these lies. And then as we begin to believe in that, it affects our emotions and then affects our actions. So that's why he picks these two pieces of armor in a, in a soldier, which is the breastplate to cover the heart, which is a faith and love. And then also the helmet, which is the hope that we have. A lot of times when we feel hopeless, a lot of times when we think about things in the past, mistakes that we have made, things that we have done wrong. Uh, some of us, we, we face the consequences of it even today. But just think about how Satan uses those things of the past. A lot of times it's in our minds. We get discouraged. We get hopeless to the point where we're like, you know what, why even try anymore? And that's when he's winning, Satan is, rather than allowing the power of God to come into your life. That's why he says you got to put on this helmet, which is of hope, in the salvation that we have. 
that when you renew your mind with the things of God, the truth of God, that's when hope begins to rise up. And you realize that my hope is not placed in how well I do or what sins I don't do, but it's based on who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for me. This triad of faith, hope, and love is seen in other places as part of the Christian faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 in the message translation says, but for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards the consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. This triad of hope, faith, and love, it's almost the basics of our full understanding of this gospel message. The knowing that God loves us, that allows us to then live with this kind of faith, trusting in Him as our Father. And as we do that, it gives us more hope for the future of what is to come, which is that if we were to die tonight, that we will spend the rest of eternity with Jesus Christ. That's why Apostle Paul continues this idea of spiritual warfare even to the believers of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11 in the New Living Translation Read the highlighted yellow with me. It says this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. This is how we're going to fight things in our lives that come, especially the lies of Satan. We've got to put on the full armor, the whole armor of God. That's how we fight his strategies, his schemes, that are placed against us. And we have to understand that the salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's why he mentions that he saved us from God's wrath. Those of us who have still yet to trust in Jesus Christ, you are under God's wrath. You are living in darkness, not in light. And this is the reason why the challenge for us is that if Jesus Christ, he was to come back, will you be ready? And I pray that you will make that decision to follow him even today. I think as we close out even with verse 11, the Apostle Paul closes out this uh, section by exhorting the believers to encourage one another and to build one another up. So just look at verse 11 again and you will see that. And why is this important? As he talks about the second coming of Christ. It's because as you begin to understand the gospel, as you ready yourself, and there's a sense of resolve, as many of you, and I know very well, is that you can try things on your own strength, but that can last for only a certain time. But when you have people around you who's encouraging you, who's helping you, who's supporting you, who's giving these words of affirmation and words that are true, then it helps us to then redirect our focus back on the truth. And that's why Apostle Paul, as he talks about the second coming of Christ in this passage, he closes out by saying that we must encourage one another and build one another up because we need each other. Because it's easy to get discouraged in our resolve to live for Christ and to prepare ourselves. That's why I look at verse 11 again. I'm going to read it from the message translation. It says this, so speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope. So you'll be the together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. That's my hope and prayer for 
all of us, and especially anyone who's part of our church. We don't want anyone to be left out or left behind, but we're praying that the hope that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and now as we eagerly wait for His second coming, that can come in any moment, that what we're saying is that we want to be ready and we want to be resolved. So the one thing, once again, is that we must let go of our past, those things that have hindered us, those mindsets that we have that discourage us. We have to let go of the past so that we can live each day as if it's our last. I want to just kind of share just very briefly before we go into some next steps. I wanted to share something about this whole idea of Jesus Christ coming back, and we don't know when. I really feel like this is a clear aspect of the gospel that many of us, what we forget is His mercy. And grace is something that we get that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. So when we really deserve death and punishment, but we don't get it because Jesus Christ has took it upon Himself by dying on the cross, that is God's mercy for us when we should have been punished, when we should have faced the various consequences because of our foolishness and our rebellion. But we don't experience that, but we receive His forgiveness and all the aspects of the gospel. That is His mercy. So we don't get what we deserve. And as I was thinking about this, especially in this context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the second coming of Christ, I sometimes wonder, Jesus, why don't you come back quickly? Look at everything that's happening in this world. Why don't you come back quickly? And I was, I was thinking about this, and the thought that came to my mind is that if Jesus Christ came back 30-some years ago, then I would not have been able to spend the rest of my life with Him in eternity. In fact, I would spend the rest of my life separated from Him in hell, experiencing the wrath of God. If some of you who came to know Jesus Christ even in this past year or a couple years ago, my challenge to you is this. What if Jesus Christ came back a couple years ago? And that aspect of it is His mercy. So I'm wondering if one of the reasons why He hasn't come back yet is that there are still so many more people that He has predestined, that He has called, and that He has saved through the work of Jesus Christ, that He's actually being patient and waiting for us to turn to Him. Let me give us a verse that reminds us of this truth as we think about His second coming. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, I'm going to read it from the Message Translation. And will you just read the yellow highlighted part with me? It says this, Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with His promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on the account of you, holding back the end because He doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. What a great reminder for us. I'm wondering if one of the reasons why he hasn't come back yet 
is that he's actually creating space for us to humble ourselves and to say, God, I cannot change myself, but I need you to change me. I'm wondering if, he restrain, if he's restraining himself right now because he wants you to turn, repent of that sin in your life that's breaking fellowship with God. It might not affect your eternal destiny, but it's affecting your relationship with him, the fellowship with him, that love relationship with him. So he's refraining from coming back. He's creating space for us so that we can change. And that to me is simply the gospel. That in his mercy, when we should have received his wrath and his judgment, he withframed and withheld that. So to create the space that we need to actually now to repent and say, God, I need you. My hope and prayer is this, that none of us will sleep tonight without that complete assurance that if we were to die tonight, that we will spend the rest of eternity with him. That if we were to die tonight, if there's some stuff that hinders us in our relationship with God, relationship with other people, because if you know you're going to die tonight, you'll get your life in order. Let's live every single day as if it's our last. And so whatever's holding us back, we can let go of those things, trusting that he's going to guide us every step of the way. Can I give us some simple next steps so that we can think about this throughout this week, even as we'll study uh, the Bible this week in our life groups to talk a little bit more about the second coming of Christ. The first thing is this, as we think about the next steps. First of all, live each day with the future in mind. I think the reason why so many of us get stuck and we forget about Jesus Christ coming back is we don't think about the end. So live every single day with the future in mind. What is that going to look like if he were to come back in any moment? That means that there are things that you got to do, things that you want to say to people that if they pass away or you pass away, there will be no regrets. So live every single day as you get up in the morning, you think about the future, that today might be the last day and how do I want to live my life? I'm telling you right now, if you can have that kind of mindset, it will radically change the way you live your life. So get up in the morning. Some of you get up really nice and easy because you got a lot of sleep and you're not in a rush. Some of us jolt out of bed because we're late again. And so even as you're getting ready to be able to just say, God, help me to live this day as if it's my last. Have the future in mind. The second thing I would recommend is this. Let go of your mistakes and failures. I don't know what it is that you've gone through. I don't know what's holding you back. But a lot of times we forget about his second coming and we don't anticipate it. It's because we're holding on to things of the past. Let those things go. Trust in God under his authority to say, God, I'm not in control. I made some mis mistakes. I made some dumb mistakes. But I'm fully trusting that in your grace and in your mercy. And the third and last thing is this. Learn to depend on God through prayer. To learn how to depend on God through prayer. Part of getting ready and part of being resolved is not your human strength or your willpower. It really is the power of God. And the only way you're going to be able to tap into that is through a life of prayer. May you experience what life can be like as you depend on Him. He is literally our power source. Just think about your life like a phone. You're at 
get connected to that external source that comes from God and God alone. Get recharged up to full charge so that you can live this day for the glory of God. I wanted to close out with this video. And I think one of the hardest things that every one of us we go through is when there's relational conflict. Sometimes with our family members, uh, sometimes with our friends, or just people around us, and especially those that we love. And a lot of times, those are the things that cause a lot of pain. And one of the things I think it's easy for us to forget is that every single day is so short that if we could just kind of realize that Jesus Christ can come back in any moment, I could die at any moment. That person that I'm in conflict with can die at any moment. I'm wondering what it will do in the way you live your life. I believe you're going to live it as if it's your last day and you'll live it to the fullest. So as you watch this video, and just a little heads up, it's in complete Chinese. So those of you who know Chinese, it's going to be music to your ears. But don't worry, people like me trying to learn Chinese, but there's subtitles. So hopefully you're on a screen that you can actually see the subtitles. But I want you to watch this story about a mom and a daughter. And then that daughter has her daughter. So that daughter has a grandma. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of weird, but um, I'm not even doing it justice right now. But just watch it. I think the, the, the short film will just speak for itself. And then afterwards, I'll come back and then we'll close out with some prayer, some worship. Let's respond to God in light of this. So let's watch this together. I hope you enjoy that video. And when I think about the grandma, that just, just wonderfully describes the heart of God. That as she was every single Chinese New Year making the dumplings and walking around trying to look for her daughter. Um, that's exactly what God does. And instead of him coming back yesterday, and if he comes back today, we'll be ready. But if he doesn't come back today, uh, he's, he's looking, he's refraining, he is waiting for you to not only make that decision to receive him as Lord and Savior, but for many of us who might be watching this who are believers, that we will humble ourselves and even repent of our sins, our rebellious ways, and to be able to say, God, like, I want to come back. Uh, that story is about the prodigal daughter, if you will. And her mom, as she was looking for her, in the same way God is looking for you. And he's creating the space so that you may be able to change, not in your own power, or your own will but it will be through the power of God as he touches your life and so I'm praying that as we think about the passage that we read are you ready are you resolved because unless we let go of the past we're not going to be able to live every single day as if it's our last we're not going to embrace what it is that God is doing even right now, some of us are probably struggling through with this whole situation. Some of us might be going through things right now in light of the COVID-19. I'm even wondering, some of you might know people who passed away or who lost jobs or going through some difficult things.
if there's ever a time that we need Jesus, if there's ever a time that we need him more, it is right now. As I shared earlier, one of the blessings in disguise is that through this whole situation, more people are rethinking about life. They're thinking about what it is that they value. They're thinking about the goals and the priorities in their lives. What is it that they're chasing after? And I pray that one of the priorities is your relationship with God. And so may we humble ourselves and confess that we need Him more. And that's how we're going to be ready and resolved in our hearts and live every single day as if it is our last. So will you just, wherever you are, will you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Just close your eyes. And I want us just, if you could just take a deep breath at this moment, just take a deep breath and then exhale. Father, I pray that just as we're breathing in the air, may we take in your presence. And Lord, as we have exhaled, Lord, may we just release all the things in our hearts, in our minds. Those things that cause us a lot of anxiety or stress or worry. Those things that cause us to lose sight that everything on this earth will fade away one day. And whatever it is that we're struggling with that, Lord, in light of eternity, in light of the fact that you might come in any moment, some of us, we want you to come back right now because we're going through such difficult things. We don't know how we will endure. But Lord, in your timing, in your perfect will, with the certainty that we know that you will come back, as we submit ourselves to your authority, we pray, God, that you will come and have your way in every single one of us. No matter where we are, what we're going through, Lord, we know and help us to have this faith. Help us to put on this helmet of the hope of our salvation, the breastplate of faith and love. Protect our hearts. Help us not to forget that this life is, is brief and very fragile, Lord. We, we want to live it to the fullest. We want to live it as if even today it will be our last day. I pray that you will do that work in our hearts. May we trust in you and depend on you more and more. We just join us as we sing some songs as a prayer unto God. And let's sing it from our hearts. And this is how we're going to close out. And so let's worship together. Can we do that? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.